0: Before we get into the spirit of today's show, I do want to express my thoughts and condolences to the victims and the family members of the Uvalde shooting taking place in Texas Tuesday afternoon. Um, Yet another senseless act of violence, you know, right here in our backyard in Texas, Uh, a continuing, very worrying trend here in, in this country, in the United States. And actually Warriors head coach Steve Kerr had some very powerful words, uh, to say about what took place, uh, Tuesday afternoon and just the tragedy of it all. I shared plenty of my own viewpoints on my social media feed. Uh, I'm sure if you follow me, you probably saw some of that because I was not talking sports Tuesday at all. That just, it didn't feel right at that point. And it still kind of doesn't feel right, but I hope that today, at least that this episode and and that moving forward, these shows can be maybe kind of um, a distraction from some of the problems that we're facing as a society that we need to deal with, that, you know, change needs to happen. And again, the least that I can do is express my thoughts and condolences to those that are struggling, that have lost loved ones that have dealt with this and that will probably continue to deal with this um, until adequate change is made. So with that, um, we'll get into today's show right now. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick
1: in the 2021 NBA draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming.
0: Six, five, four, three. What's up, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, host of Locked On NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as the founder of ClutchCityControlRoom.com. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, and the show, of course, at Locked On Rockets. Now. As always, appreciate you for making LOR your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, all of those locations. And then you can also check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all of that. Um, shout out to all the people who went into the YouTube comments and said, I commented, now you have to love me forever, or some variation of that. I do love you forever. That was um, that was very cool of you. There was like seven people who went in and took me up on my offer to Uh, my exchange of eternal gratitude and love for commenting on the YouTube page. So thank you for that. With that, uh, for today's episode, we're gonna focus on some of the recent reporting surrounding your Houston Rockets, as well as the Brooklyn Nets and the dysfunction currently going on in, I don't know where Brooklyn is. Is it upstate New York? Whatever. I'm gonna say upstate New York. I don't know if that's right. Um, Currently going on in Brooklyn. And then we will shift gears and get into some trade hypotheticals with actually kind of a a locked on crossover with Mike Richmond from Locked On Blazers. As we discuss some of the possibilities for the Rockets to trade up to that number seven overall pick, exactly what the Brooklyn Trailblazers are trying to accomplish uh, with that number seven overall pick, are they actually looking to draft with it? What deal, what what kind of return are they looking for that number seven overall pick and how the Rockets could actually be a premier trade partner for Portland uh, to try and bolster their, their roster around Damian Lillard this upcoming season? So with that, let's get into the reporting, starting with the Rockets here. And that is uh, recent news around the assistant coaching front with the Houston Rockets. Uh, Melvin Hunt is a name that has emerged, uh, as reported by the Athletics' Kelly Eco, to join Steven Silas uh, on the bench this upcoming year in Houston. uh, One of the replacements, if you will, for the vacancies left by Will Weaver and Jeff Hornacek. Now, Melvin Hunt actually did work with the Rockets for a little while back in the late 90s, early 2000s. He was a scout from 1999 to 2001. Then he was an assistant coach under Rudy T in 0203. And then he was working as a scout again when JVG took the helm in 03-04. Um, since his time with the Rockets, he's actually worked as an assistant with the Lakers, the Cavs, the Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks, and the Atlanta Hawks. Now, when he was with the Mavericks from 2015 to 2018, he actually never had any overlap with head coach Steven Silas because Silas was there from 2018 to 2020. They were kind of like, Passing ships just, you know, never really had any overlap there. Um, but I'm sure that they, you know, know each other from, you know, so many close, you know, close stints with one another. Um, again, the, the Cavaliers are another one where Stephen Silas was there early in his career. Melvin Hunt was there kind of, I think, right after Stephen Silas. Um, so I don't believe that the two have ever actually worked together, but I'm sure that they, they are very well aware of each other's uh, capabilities as coaches in this league, both being longtime assistants at the NBA level. Um, I will say that, you know, what I've seen, you know, the, the, the reaction to Hunt's name being, in, you know, involved and associated with the Houston Rockets, a few people who have been like long time like, you know, Rockets media members had a few good things to say about Melvin Hunt when his name first emerged, saying that he's just like one of the coolest guys, very good, very good human being like that kind of thing. Um, you know, from having known him from his time in the late nineties, early two thousands with the Rockets. And then kind of, you know, surveying the landscape, I did see a bunch of like Atlanta Hawks fans kind of making jokes about the fact that they won't have like the motivational chair hitting on the sideline. Cause I guess Melvin Hunt's kind of like that, uh, enforcer assistant coach, right? Like he's going to be like vocal. He's going to be, uh, you know, demanding a lot from the players. And I guess that's like his like shtick is like to get angry on the sideline and kind of like hit chairs and stuff to try and motivate the players. Cause the Atlanta Hawks fans were like, kind of, you know, making this a gigantic joke. I guess that's like a running thing with them. So, but for all intents and purposes, you know, there've been a couple other accounts that I've heard about Melvin hunt. He's, he's that kind of like enforcer type coach, right. Where maybe that's what Steven Silas needs, like, you know, in his back pocket, you know, on his team is another kind of dominant voice to play, you know, bad cop alongside John Lucas so that he can be, you know, have another enforcer in his pocket, essentially to really hammer home the lessons that he's trying to teach uh, to these rockets, young guys, as they're, you know, still growing and getting acclimated to the NBA level. So, that covers the recent Rockets reporting. Also, Mahmoud Abdel is still emerging as another candidate to kind of fill one of those two assistant coaching vacancies. I've got it penciled on as like a lock. Like, I think it's going to happen. It, you know, the reporting is there. It's more just a, t- a matter of when they announce it, not like if it's going to happen. So with that, let's pivot here to the Brooklyn Nets because there was a piece of reporting that came out of the New York Daily, the New York Daily News by Christian Winfield. And it starts with like the greatest lead in of all time. It says last summer, I got a tip. I didn't want to believe a source familiar with the inner workings of the Nets roster told me James Harden would leave Brooklyn and Hey, it happened. James Harden is no longer a member of the Brooklyn Nets. And there are gigantic question marks surrounding Kyrie Irving's future with the franchise and Kevin Durant's commitment to the Brooklyn Nets right now. uh, Kyrie Irving, is, and I should state, I should also follow up. The, the article then follows up by saying, followed by Kyrie Irving, then ultimately Kevin Durant, uh, a course of events that would undoubtedly send the Nets back to the bottom of the Eastern Conference standing after just three seasons in the spotlight. Fast forward one summer and Harden is now an afterthought. And if the Nets aren't careful, Irving is next. So this tip, It sounds like the tip was there, uh, you know, in line with James Harden. But I don't know if the tip actually, the way it's worded, is kind of, you know, vague. I don't know if the tip also included the 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 report that you know Irving and Durant would also follow in James Harden's footsteps, leaving the Brooklyn Nets. I think James Harden was the surefire one because he just wasn't happy in Brooklyn. But right now, the Nets are possibly going to let. Kyrie Irving walk in free agency this summer. They're not ready to commit long-term money to him, given the fact that, you know, they don't know what his availability is going to be like on a season by season basis, or even a game by game basis, right? It's Kyrie Irving. He missed what? 80% of this last season, 90% of this last season. Couldn't play road games, like all of that. Right. And then on top of that, if the Nets don't bring back Kyrie Irving, you've got Kevin Durant in year 16, 17, right? Uh, Ben Simmons, who's not healthy, with a damaged back, who's already, like, damaged goods and a flawed player, and role players. That's what you're left with if you're the Brooklyn Nets. KD ain't probably going to stick around for that, right? He would very easily... "Eh, Now, get me out of this. Get me out of this. I don't want to be here anymore. This is going to make Rafael Stone look like an absolute genius, and I am going to be insufferable when one of those Brooklyn Nets picks conveys as a lottery pick. We came damn close this season, right? Pick number seventeen. That's already way better than anybody thought. Like the 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 picks would convey from where the Brooklyn Nets were and where we thought that they, they would be at with a potential dynasty. At least you know riding off into the sunset with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant as they you know aged. And sure, maybe a bit of a fall off towards the end when they started getting older. But this is how happening much, much sooner rather than later. And again, they already got pick number 17 this year. And the best part about this, right? And the way this trade was, was permutated is the rockets are about to be in a position where their picks are going to be in control or their picks are going to be controlled by the Oklahoma city thunder, which gives them a reason to want to be good again. And subsequently another reason to want to be good again is if the Brooklyn nets are bad, then it gives you that opportunity to kind of flip pick swaps around. So even if let's pretend for a second here, right? That if the Brooklyn nets wind up being worse than the rockets, then they don't get to maximize um, those pick odds, right? Which is fine because then, or actually I apologize. I should say they do get to maximize those pick odds because if the Brooklyn nets pick land somewhere in the lottery and the rockets are actually outside the lottery and like getting better. And they're a playoff team. Then the rockets are going to swap back in and pick up more lottery talent. That is the and that is the beauty of the way this trade was constructed by general manager Rafael Stone, to where the Rockets are going to be in a position where they've kind of replenished the cupboard of draft assets that were unfortunately controlled by the Oklahoma City Thunder. And again, there is no certainty about what's going to take place in Brooklyn moving forward. That franchise is in a turbulent time period. And it, it, there's just, <laughs> again, like I, I, I'm reveling in it because. One, James Harden's no longer there. So now I can just actively root on the downfall of the Brooklyn Nets without feeling like a twin, like a twinge of guilt. Tinge? Twinge. Tinge of guilt. There we go. Um, that's the word. So it, it's all just it, it's it's playing out beautifully, and this could not have worked out better for the Houston Rockets. Hopefully, Kyrie Irving does leave this offseason, and then hopefully Kevin Durant leaves not too long thereafter, putting the Brooklyn Nets back in a state of NBA purgatory. The place that the Rockets could have found themselves had they traded for Ben Simmons all those many moons ago and the offset of the James Harden uh, ordeal and you know him wanting out of Houston. So with that, shout out to General Manager Rafael Stone for putting the Houston Rockets in a primo position to navigate this Houston Rockets rebuild coming up. We're going to dive into some trade hypotheticals with Mike Richmond from Locked On Blazers, focusing on pick number seven in this year's NBA draft. But first, a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar, because when it comes to protein bars, you've got to check out Built Bar. They're the number one protein bar on the market, and for good reason. Every single bar is coated in 100% delicious chocolate. They're not gritty or chalky like other protein bars out there. The flavors that they have are just incredible. You got strawberry, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. Coconut brownie chunk is my favorite. You really can't go wrong with a single one, though. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. Amazing if you're trying to cut back a little bit, lose a little bit of weight. You can check them out. Just go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best-tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making LOR your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletters, joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Lee Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast now let's go ahead and dive into our crossover edition episode with mike Richmond from locked on blazers
1: in today's show we got a whole lot of fun joining me host of locked on rockets none other than jackson gatlin himself jackson thanks for joining us
0: happy to be here on the program mike ready to talk about some uh some hypotheticals here and there yeah it is fake trade season in my prison
1: <laughs> in my prison of of Blazers offseason so here's where here's how we got here uh last this is a uh, uh Last week, a couple of weeks ago, uh, depending, depending on when you were listening to this, dear listeners, in a previous episode, I think this may be the best way to say this. In a previous episode, I pitched five trades uh, for the Blazers to trade back and get better, and I'm kind of tracking down the hosts of those various teams to pitch my trades to you, and then we can kind of suss out how close I got to it being realistic. I I get that you're not Rafa Stone. You are. Um, if you were, it, it would be super cool for you joining the program. But like, <laughs> I think you have a good sense of what the Rockets. Might do right, so um, you can give me your takes on this stuff kind of your personal opinion and what you think the franchise might do. So, let me let me just start pitching this trade uh, to, to sort of set the stage. The Blazers have the seventh pick in the NBA draft, they are seemingly very unlikely to use it, and they're headed or they're probably looking for some sort of veteran help. Uh, the names they've been linked to are forwards because they don't have any of those on the roster. The Rockets, they've got some of those. And the trade that I proposed was giving the Rockets the seventh pick in the NBA draft in exchange for forward Christian Wood and the 17th pick in the draft. If you need sweetener, the Blazers would be willing, at least my my version of the Blazers would be willing to throw in the 36th pick in the draft so you get an early second rounder. So that'd be seven and 36 for Christian Wood and 17. And the Blazers have a traded player exception that they can absorb Christian Wood into. You wouldn't need to give back salary. Uh, This trade would go down after the draft technically agreed to on draft night, but after the draft, because the Blazers can't trade a pick before the
0: draft. What do you think? I think honestly, from the Rockets perspective, this is probably as close to like a slam dunk deal as you get when it comes to value back for Christian Wood, a guy whose future with the organization is already pretty murky just because, Right after the post-James Harden era, Houston Rockets started to coalesce. And you're like, okay, like, got John Wall and Christian Wood and Victor Oladipo somehow? Like, what, you know, are we going to be this, like, scrappy, like, 7-8 seed, like, defensive-oriented? Like, what's going on here? And then that completely derailed Christian Wood, got injured, and the Rockets became the worst team in the NBA. And then they doubled down on that and did it again this past season. So, There's a lot of question marks about Christian Wood's future fit with the organization. How does his timeline mesh with the rest of this Rockets quote-unquote young core? Now they've got guys like Jalen Green and Alper and Shagoon in the mix. Basically just kids, right? Teenagers at this point. You've got Christian Wood who's 26 years old. He's not over the hill by any stretch of the imagination, but his timeline does not really match well with the rest of the Rockets young guys. I think this trade moving up 10 spots From 17 to seven, and basically being able to guarantee yourself one of those tier two prospects in this draft, right? Because you've got kind of all the tier one guys in the three big man prospects, and then kind of like Jaden Ivy, and then maybe depending on how you talk to Shaden Sharp being lumped in with that bunch as well. Then you move on to those tier two guys. And I genuinely think that at pick 17, you might just run out of some of those really like clear cut tier two prospects right before you get to pick 17. And I genuinely think the Rockets organization is going to do everything in their power to move up from 17 this year. And really the nail in the coffin here, Mike, on this trade is the fact that they've got to decide what they're going to do with Christian Wood, because it doesn't matter if you're taking home Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro, you're going to have to clear out space in the front court somehow if you're the Houston Rockets to get minutes for the number three overall pick, whoever it may be, and Shingun, Usman Garuba, who is practically right. shelved all of last season. So they need to start consolidating their assets. And if you were to come to me with that trade, seven and 36 for 17 and Christian Wood, I would, I would drive down to downtown Houston, wherever Christian Wood's apartment is and start packing his bags for him.
1: Well, to be clear, I don't even like Christian Wood.
0: I kind of think he's bad.
1: Um, but sell me on it. He's entering the final year of his contract. Like sure. convince me I'm wrong. Uh, you might also agree. But, um, you know, he's in the final year of his contract making 14 million bucks. Kind of a good deal for someone who's been as productive as him. But the numbers for me when I watch him don't line up with someone who is like you know, he averaged like 20 and 10 and then 17 and 10 in back to back seasons shooting 38% from three. What am I missing
0: Jackson? So I think the, the issue with Christian Wood is kind of twofold in that he was brought in to be an ancillary piece to James Harden. Right. And, and essentially to be an ancillary piece to James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook. And then that just completely like unraveled in the span of like a fortnight. So He was never meant to be like the number one option on a team. And then he became that overnight when the Rockets hit their kind of transitional rebuild period. And then I think that mentality was hard for him to kind of table as these young guys were coming in, as you've got the future face of the franchise in Jalen Green and potentially having to kind of pass the reins over to him where he was kind of this like holdover piece from what the Rockets were trying to previously achieve. I think if you put Christian Wood on a team with a clear-cut alpha in somebody like a Damian Lillard, who he is just like, okay, that is the guy. He's the go-to man. I play second fiddle, third fiddle, fourth fiddle to him. Probably
1: fourth fiddle. Is he okay with
0: fourth fourth. fiddle? And that's been my biggest question with Christian Wood is can he buy into a role where he is able to just kind of stay in his lane and excel at what he does best, which he is a phenomenal three-point shooting big. And he's actually a really capable perimeter defender. The issue for the Rockets largely this past season is they run Christian Wood at the five right. and they run an undersized Jay Tate at the four. So the defense is largely in shambles. But if you were to put Christian Wood at the four, next to a of Nurkic, possibly, then he gets to do what he does best defensively, which is he's a capable switchy defender, right? He can keep up with some twitchier, like faster, smaller players out on the perimeter and do so pretty well. And then offensively, if he buys into the role of not necessarily having the offense run through him at times, but just being that spot-up guy on the perimeter, attacking off closeouts, and this is the big one for me, is not tunnel visioning when he's attacking off closeouts. He does have a pretty strong ability to get to the foul line and create opportunities like that. His free throw shooting has been in the tank, though, and it's quite unfortunate for a guy who can shoot the three ball as yeah, well as 63%
1: he can. two years ago, 62% this year for a guy who's shot like uh, 38% from three on over on like whatever, 800 attempts. The last time Doesn't I remember a guy sense. like this
0: it w- it was like Josh Smith right like right. Josh Smith could hit the three ball couldn't shoot worth a lick at the free throw line and you were just like puzzled like what's is it a mental thing or a routine thing so needs to become a better free throw shooter but ultimately I think some of his deficiencies as a player are actually overblown because of the situation that he's in with the Houston Rockets and I do think given a fresh you know fresh you know fresh coat of paint fresh fresh scenery if you will on a team that's actually vying for trying to get back into the playoff picture with more of an established player that he can play behind and not necessarily be like the, the pseudo number one option on a team with a lot of like uncertainty about, okay, who's, who's really the number one option, right? Is it KPJ? Is it Jalen Green? Is it Christian Wood? you have got EG hanging out over here and he's clearly right. the most talented player of the bunch and the most established player, but he's basically babysitting a bunch of kids. So there weren't a lot of things played to Christian Wood's favor, but that 2010 is real. And his ability to be at least a positive presence defensively as both a weak side defender and help defender, as well as his ability to switch on to smaller players on the perimeter is legit. He can't guard bigs at all. Right. Expect, he's not, like, he's not strong
1: him, enough to guard fives. No. That's my big beef with him is that he's yeah. like, so let me ask you, let me just ask you the question. What, what position is he? Like, what position does he play?
0: So it's so tough. I, I think he's a four, right? He's a four. He's almost maybe even a three. Like when you look at it, like he maybe he's maybe slow. a bit of like, well, and that's the that's the part where you struggle because offensively, for him to garner that true like offensive advantage, at least being able to like attack off closeouts, is you would like him to be slotted at the five. So he's got other slower, bigger players, you right. know, that have to run out and contest the three. And then he gets to attack off the closeouts there. Whereas if you put a wing defender on Christian Wood, he doesn't have the sand in his pants to go down low and take advantage of them. And he doesn't have the, the downhill foot speed to like take somebody off the dribble. If they're Now, he can kind of get his shoulders past them. He's good at initiating contact. But you kind of neutralize him a little bit offensively if you're not playing him at the five. But you give up so much defensively if he's at the five. Right. Now, I do think there's a world where if you're not running him at the five full time, maybe some spurts here and there throughout a game, 12 minutes here and there. If the other team goes small, he's a great option to run as a small ball five. Sure. And then you're not giving up that much defensively, and you're kind of accentuating his strengths on the offensive end. It ultimately all boils down to, can he accept a slightly different role? And I do think having an established like pecking order and a star, a legitimate star, an established player ahead of him, would really go a long way in what he could provide to a team. Coming up, we finish our conversation with Mike Richmond from Locked On Blazers. But first, a message from our friends over at Bet Online, because our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find the latest odds odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, the NBA draft, and more. And speaking of the NBA draft, right now you can go to Bet Online to see who is the odds-on favorite to go number one overall in this year's NBA draft. Right now the odds are just increasing for Jabari Smith Jr. Right now he has minus 250 to go number one overall in this year's NBA draft. Chet Holmgren is at plus 180, and then Paolo Bancura falling significantly further behind at plus 700. So, for all of that and more, head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you. Bet online, it's where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, go check out the Locked on NBA podcast from the very first jump of the play-in tournament all the way to the final buzzer of the NBA finals. Locked on experts taking you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. I host the Monday show, always a ton of fun, three interviews from around the league to get your week started off right, free and available wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Wherever you listen to this podcast, you can find that one. Let's continue our conversation with mike Richmond from locked on blazers
1: all right i i i think i remain skeptical um but some listeners have pitched this to me as their ideal trade so i want to hear from someone who's watched him super closely over the last you know few seasons to kind of figure out what he is um so there's two other parts of this two other elements one Rockets fans are desperate to get Eric Gordon the hell up out of there and send him to Portland. There's not a good way to make that money work, but like, let's just like get into the like super hypothetical world. Is Jay Sean Tate ungettable? Because he seems like the kind of guy who would fit what Portland needs if they were to take on EG. Is there is there a route there without we don't need
0: to get into like cap specifics, but like, is that realistic? Ask. So the the Rockets are certainly not in a position to need to jettison EG in the sense of like, oh, they're going to attach an asset or attach a Jay Tate to get rid of Eric Gordon. Cause they, cause they would have, they, they, in fact, it was reported that they had offers of first round picks for Eric Gordon at this past NBA trade deadline. But the problem was they didn't want to take on any additional future first in this year's 2022 NBA draft. They wanted future first round draft capital because they already have two picks in this year's draft in the first round at three and 17 now. And they've got a roster chock full of young guys. They're right. going to have to start consolidating. They didn't want to add another rookie to this bunch sure. and walk away with three first round draft picks. so. Unfortunately, there were no future firsts on the table for EG. They're not in a position where they feel that they need to deal EG. In fact, they're actually really, uh, you know, appreciative of the role that he's kind of bought into as being this kind of veteran mentor for these young guys. He's honestly the happiest that he's been in a while. And I I know that both from just within the Rockets organization, as well as just interacting with Eric Gordon, myself throughout media availabilities and whatnot. He has bought into this role of like, he's happy where he's at, like mentoring these young guys. He's building a brand new house in Houston. Like he is, committed if the organization wants to keep him now that said if a if a good enough offer came along where a team you know wants to offer a future first then I think the Rockets are going to entertain that but they're also going to do right by Eric Gordon that's been the mantra for general manager Rafael Stone since taking over for Daryl Morey and kind of I think amending some of the previous imagery and kind of the sense that players and Uh, other organizations got from the Rockets was this, you know, perspective of like, they don't really care about the players. They're just viewing them as assets. And, you know, they don't really care about how trades impact them or what it means. Rafael Stone has sent every player who was like a vet who didn't want to be a part of this rebuild. He has sent them exactly where they wanted to go. He's dealt T.J. Right. Tucker to his desired location. Victor Oladipo. The list goes on and on and on. Yeah, got cut a
1: guy like Ben McLemore and said, "You want to, like if you want to go, go and let him join a bad Lakers team." But at least like let him go join a playoff team, right? Like exactly. they have um, they've treated they've treated humans
0: like humans, which is a, it's a big step in this uh, very strange asset world. But uh, to your point about Jay Sean Tate, Jay Sean Tate's not ungettable to me like he I do think the Rockets organization enjoys what he brings to the table and I do think they view him kind of on a separate tier from Christian Wood even though they're both 26 years old I think they they lump Jay Sean Tate in with the possible like younger core of the Houston Rockets when they did their exit interviews they did all the veterans like the night of the final game of the season and then they lumped in Jay Sean Tate with the rest of the young core so take that they, information they did him, as you will they, they did him with the not getting traded group <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Right. So that, that can be, you know, taken away from that. But at the same time, there are certain limitations to Jay Sean Tate's game through two years. He hasn't gotten that three ball to a place where it's reliable and consistent, but he brings you so many other things, you know, defense, offensive playmaking, versatility, guarding one through five. He's a bit undersized, but he makes up for it by playing tenacious defense. He's a great cutter. He can play off ball. You can put the ball in his hands and he can get downhill and create. There's so many things that he does but ultimately the shooting is what's kind of holding him back from becoming like a premier three and D player. I think he could be had for the right price. I don't know if you'd be able to say lump him in with, you know, a C wood deal, you know, and just jumping up 10 spots. I think if you're looking at maybe a trade where you don't get back, pick number 17, if you're just willing to part with pick number seven, and it's some kind of some permutation of Christian wood, Jay Sean Tate, uh, in that capacity for pick number seven, I think the Rockets would probably be willing to listen to that offer. And then maybe they then toy around with packaging 17 and seven to move even further up. If there's somebody right. that they want to, uh, to, to tackle in the, in the rest of the the top of the list. Well, yeah, I, I, I should say it's like, I've, I've already been a hater.
1: So if your listeners come across this, like I, I like Jason, I, I think he's really good. Um, and I think Eric Gordon has been, um, one of the more underrated players in the league for a, for a while. He's, um, he's been re- he was really useful when the rockets were championship level good um and he's he's not that anymore but he's not too far removed from that level of of play um but and i'm glad to see he's building a house putting down roots right there in in uh, clutch city uh yeah i think i think the ideal for the blazers would be end up with both wood and tate um i think something where you get two nba like starting level forwards for seven is cl- as close to as good as it gets for the Blazers. Uh, I, I'm not sure that this, you know, you don't, you might not be able to check all the boxes with one trade, but if you can get on the phone and start building the parameters and say, the Blazers also have a 2025 20, pick from the bucks. And it's like, could you make seven and another first or, but it's two first too rich for the Blazers. Like, I think you get there. I think you get on the phone. Um, I think this gets you close. I think the Christian Wood deal checks some of the boxes the Blazers needs they desperately need a dude who can play four in the league and I think next to Nurk his deficiencies are hidden a little bit it's not perfect for everybody but I think this one is I think the basic parameters that I pitched you just judging on what you've told me I have it, it is pretty realistic and at least something the Rockets would really entertain and if they'd really entertain that first part you might be able to ask for sweeteners like a really good defensive forward who maybe becomes a standstill three-point shooter at one point in his life. And then you've got a really good player in Jay Sean Tate.
0: Yeah, no. And the fact, again, Mike, the fact that you and I are kind of on the same wavelength here, as far as like you kind of perusing around the NBA, looking at what teams might have something to offer. The fact that looking throughout the lottery, you know, I immediately like saw Portland. I was like, let's shoot out the bat signal. Like what trade can, can be had with the Portland Trailblazers because they're in this position where they either have to, like move on from Dame and really strip it down to the nuts and bolts and actually like go headfirst into a rebuild or truly retool around Damian Lillard. And it sounds like from everything you're saying that seventh pick is going to be gone and they want the best possible return for it and getting two starting caliber NBA wings or, you know, wings, Christian Wood, tweener, whatever you want to call
1: it. Like I said, I don't know what position he plays, but whatever position he might play.
0: Exactly. You know, getting back two guys like that and for the Rockets to be able to, again, that consolidation element is what I think is going to start to rear its ugly head if you're the Houston Rockets, because they have to figure something out. Because if they're about to have John Wall sit out another calendar year, Oof. then they've got 14 roster spots to play with. They're already under a roster crunch because you're essentially leaving one spot to have the highest paid assistant coach in NBA history. Just be there for a quarter of the games. If you don't
1: meet your heart out.
0: There we go. Pretty much, man.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, if, if my listeners want to catch more of Jackson Gatlin, just find Locked on Rockets wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. He's doing a great job. Tons of fun and gives you, it gives you a ton of insight. Jackson, thanks for hanging out. I appreciate
0: you. Always a pleasure, Mike. Happy to be on the program. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, appreciate you for checking out the show. How did you feel about some of the trade hypotheticals that Mike and I came up with regarding the Houston Rockets and Portland Trailblazers? Let me know in the YouTube comments. As always, I do appreciate you for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check us out on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, all of that. Let me know how you feel about the hypotheticals in the YouTube comments. Let me know how you feel about The Brooklyn Nets just completely unraveling and the fact that the Rockets are going to have delicious lottery picks for years to come, courtesy of the James Harden trade. Let me know about all your thoughts in the comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.